Welcome back to Booking It. As always, I'm Kristen Snyder. And I'm Paige Hua. And today we're joined by Yasmin Majidi, this fellow lifestyle editor over from the AE section. Today we are discussing the first half of Robin Sloan's novel, Sourdough. So Sourdough is Sloan's second book and this one follows Lois who works in robotics in San Francisco. She codes basically all day and it is very well noted that she has a terrible diet but then her favorite local sandwich shop closes and the owners leave her with the starter for their sourdough bread and then as she learns to make sourdough she starts taking it to the farmer's market and joins this like pretty exclusive club and starts to explore the intersection between food and technology to start it off what were your guys' thoughts about it because i really liked it it was definitely different than books i'm used to reading but it was very like refreshing i've never like read a book that was so concentrated on bread and so concentrated on how to make bread and like the exact parts of it. So it was really an interesting read for me. I'm used to like cheesy love stories. So it was kind of fun to read a book that's just about like an independent person, like finding out who she is. Yeah, I thought it was a surprisingly thoughtful narrative about like a really simple topic. There were a lot of like layers to it as you kept going and as like Sloan kept describing the ways you can make sourdough. I've read his other book, Mr. Penumbra's 24-Hour Bookstore, years ago. According to Goodreads, I gave it four stars in 2014. I don't remember anything about it. Besides, I think it gets into like weird cult stuff near the end. So I'm intrigued to see if we get more weird cult stuff in this one. My favorite quote from the first half of the book is, Here's a thing I believe about people my age. We are the children of Hogwarts, and more than anything, we just want to be sorted. And I don't really know why that struck me so much. I think it's because I spent an egregious amount of time on Harry Potter TikTok these days. But I think I do see a connection where I think so many people view Hogwarts as like an imaginary home. And I think Lois in this book is in many ways trying to find the physical version of that, which maybe is why she finds finds herself in like all of these close-knit clubs of like her name or like these random people at farmers markets who are just like trying to climb the ladders basically. Mm-hmm. Should also preface this since we are talking about Harry Potter. I think it is important to note that we do not support JK Rowling's transphobic remarks. Oh that is um, true. Obviously Harry Potter is still very much part of the cultural canon and it's like coming up in books like this but I think it's also really interesting if you like take this as like a perspective on kind of similar to the last book but also so not just how like lonely it is to live in a big city and how like Lois moves there she has no family she has no friends she goes to work and she goes to sleep and that's basically it and then she goes to work and big spread I think this quote just shows that kind of like at your saying page that you just you try to find places to cling to to find a community in at first for her it was the bread men <laughs> and then it became the Loises, and then now we are being introduced to the... I'm just going to call them a cult. They're not a cult so far, it's just a farmer's market. That's so funny. I think the, like, interesting part of that quote to me was, like, we just want to be sorted part. I mean, although she does kind of, like, actively try and find her place when she goes and, like, tests out her bread at the different farmer's markets, it's so much easier for us just to be placed somewhere where we would already fit. And so it's, like, interesting to see her, like, go through and see where she does, like, actually click and fit. 
Yeah, it's a very like passive statement. And like that's kind of like what happens to her throughout the book. How did she find their like restaurant again? She it was conveniently placed on her doorstep, I think. It was just an okay, ad. Yeah. So that was like brought to her essentially by like fate or coincidence, whatever you decide. And then the guys just gave her the starter and was like, You should do something with this. And then when she was like going through and buying the supplies, it mentions multiple times that she like just buys like whatever's recommended as the customer also bought type thing and it's interesting because this book i just looked it up was published in 2017 but somehow it feels almost like those issues feel even like more relevant now when you consider all of the news that's around like selling people's data and that quote that seems to be floating around where it's like if you're not paying for something then like you're the thing that's being sold so it's just interesting where all of Sloane's idea in this book is really centered around food and technology, which I, I would say are sort of like the two empires of the Bay Area. Every time I go to the Bay Area, it's like, okay, where's Apple? And then like, where's the next like food store we're stopping at? I think seeing Lois grappling with that idea also makes the book so much more enjoyable because at first her journey is like really strange like here are these two men that give her bread starter and you're like okay well this is really weird but then you kind of realize it's not so strange at all because I feel like these are still issues you grapple with every day where the wanting to kind of enjoy your life and like live an enriching one versus sometimes the choices we make because of like our careers or money related financial pressures or whatever that may be you see Lois grappling with all of those things as well in just like a really hype world which is really cool this is just like building off what you just mentioned about how like the start of the book does seem really weird and I remember like the first like couple chapters where she's just alone and like drinking her weird gel and just like working all day I was so confused about like where this book was gonna go and like where they were gonna take the narrative the intersection is so interesting because I would never put a coder with this weird singing sourdough mixer that like comes to life and makes this amazing sourdough like I would never bring them together in my head but then like it makes so much sense for Lois to exist as this like Bay Area like kind of nerd who just does her own thing and is like navigating her city. I loved like scene of when she's like going to build her fancy brick oven in the backyard and she like drags her neighbor to go buy everything so she can use her car and then she starts constructing it and the neighbor just comes out and is like what are you what's going on here (laughs) and then she just like sits and watches the fire with her because everyone's just that's just Lois I guess like no one questions it and they just kind of like accept Mm -hmm. it and like bond over that because the neighbor Carmen I think can get free bread and like if I could get free bread for my neighbors I would be very pleased with my life (laughs) (laughs) I will build build as many brick ovens as you (laughs) wish outside I love how bold she was with that too she's like oh I have to make bread like I'm making my whole entire oven myself too then it was just Mm -hmm. such a power move it's interesting that you say that because I feel like Lois's first instinct in this first half of the book has to just always make everything herself whether that's like her food or like the weird robotic tech arm that she does with it or that Mm -hmm. she made for her like branding or whatever happens in the farmer's market that we've like yet to really understand which is just I think a testament to her character as well Mm -hmm. to be able to do all of that I like really respect how she never um doubts herself too she's always like oh like I'll make this bread and it tastes great and I have the best bread so I'm gonna go to the farmer's market and then like this arm has like never worked before but she's like no I'm gonna make the arm like give me the robot and I'll fix it like Mm -hmm. she never doubts her abilities which is awesome kind of 
going back to what Paige was saying earlier, I like pulled up one of the quotes where they're talking about from one of the emails from Bio, I think, and he's talking about the Mosque culture, which is fictional. So he's talking about how the like three pillars of the Mosque culture and the very first one is food and so he's talking about like the sourdough starter and like the spicy soup that she likes and then the second one is singing which is you know like his brother makes the music and then the sourdough sings and then the third is reticence and how like quote there are mosque neighborhoods and cities all over europe but you would never know it because you would never have signs or storefronts and you will never ever see our beautiful script in the street it's a shame and so i think that kind of ties into what you were saying about how it's very strange to pair like technology and food but i think within this context then that makes sense because if food is the number one thing of the maz culture it would make sense that then food would be like the number one part of like the bay area like tech culture even if they aren't aware of it like the social dynamics at her workplace are like inherently defined by food throughout the novel like every single like culture is being defined by their relationship to food and i feel like the tech industry itself is also defined in how it relates to food in this book as well because like food is like the one thing they can't seem to figure out with their technology either because there was the robot arm that just like can't crack the egg and she's trying to like make the robot try and make sourdough bread it can't get the right pressure i think it was to like Mm -hmm. knead it and everything so it's interesting to see how the food is just so human that it almost just can't be done through technology. Well, it's also interesting too because then there's a scene where she first is approaching them about like using one of the arms, like crack the egg of this mystery and so they're talking about how like they've tried so many times over and over again like can never get it right to the point where they've thrown away like huge trash bags and multiple trash bags just full of cracked eggshells that the arm has broken they're wasting so much money and so many resources and they're just trying what seems to be the same thing over and over again for a thing that they keep failing at so it's kind of like how the tech industry will just like do whatever it takes like fully take over every aspect of society that's like kind of freaky to think about in this like our current context of like everything is online now everything is technology like i've never Mm -hmm. stared at my phone and my laptop longer than i have in the past six months (laughs) the technology aspect of it is so important to like the debates happening now but also just like i've turned to food and cooking as like a break from the internet so many times during Mm -hmm. quarantine and that's basically what lois is doing in the book where she's just turning to food as like an outside source of connection even though she does it alone most of the time it still connects her to like the two friends she made in the city have either of you guys actually made bread or sourdough bread more specifically haven't made sourdough bread but i've made like banana bread which is more cake-like there is one part where like it's the very first piece of bread that she ever is it the quote about it having a face well that was interesting too but there's one part It was perhaps not as perfectly photogenic as the one on the cover of the bread book, but it was dot dot dot. Not too bad. (laughs) Yeah, but it's also like food is just always food and you can at some point always consume it or I feel like fix your mistakes with it as long as it's not burnt to a crisp. It's always just something where it's like, yeah, it's not too bad and I I made it. I feel like it's a little bit elevated knowing that you're the one that put the work behind the scenes to create whatever dish it is. Mm -hmm. Before we like actually got to like know Lois's character that well, I 
was surprised by her reaction to the bread. Like, I thought she would have been so upset that she, like, didn't perfect it just because of that, that stereotype of, like, the coding people who, like, they, I mean, a code has to be perfect for it to work otherwise. Like, the software won't run or, like, the arm won't work. So, like, I thought that if she had, like, a little mistake in her bread that she wouldn't have accepted it. What do you guys think of the faces in the bread? I have no idea. Like, that part, like, stumped me. Like, I kept thinking about that meme where it's, like, someone made a grilled cheese and, like, the face of Jesus came onto it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's from Glee. Yes. And the, the grilled cheeses. I, that might be the name of the episode. I'm, I'm pretty sure, sure that's the name of the episode. I kept seeing it in my head. I was like, is this what she's seeing in her sourdough bread? Just the face of God looking back at her? <laughs> and she, much like Finn in Glee, is going to start praying to it. That would have been a twist I didn't see coming, actually. <laughs> that is so true. I have no idea. I have, like, zero interpretation of it. I just accepted it. I feel like we see things in our food a lot anyway. It just adds to, like, the whole, like, mystery and, like, etherealness surrounding the bread. There's the starter that just sings. And then there's the fact that it, like, smells like bananas, even though it's seemingly has no banana product in it. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that, too. I was like, banana's so interesting. Like, shouldn't it smell like yeast? If we're taking the bread as like a distinct feature of like the Ma's culture. They're a very separate thing than normal society. Like you view Lois's life, then you view like Bio's life where he's like constantly moving around and they like ran a kitchen out of their apartment and things like that. Very strange. But also yeah. what a hustle to run a kitchen out of your apartment. I liked the first half of the book a lot and I'm really excited to see where like the second half goes and if it gets even crazier and weirder. I want to see her succeed and stuff so hopefully yeah, that's, that's what happens. And especially how like Sloane plans on kind of reconciling the two industries of food and technology because I feel like that's where a lot of the buildup is leading is like Lois will find a way to complete that arm and like put mm -hmm. it into her shop or brand or whatever it may be. So Yeah it's either like the arm is going to actually be portrayed as a good thing or the end of civilization and <laughs> humanized <laughs> culture i'm almost hoping that the arm fails and she just realizes that like making bread is just such a human thing to do yeah that's what i'm hoping for it's like there's the terminator end to it or there's like the cottage core end to it where <laughs> she just retreats into a forest and makes bread I feel like my only criticism that I could think of for this book was just that the first half was just like a really white space minus the two men, Bayo and Chiman. That was like the only culture point of the book, I feel like, especially just because the tech market is usually such a white male space as well. And then like farmers markets these days kind of feel a little bit like gentrified and how everyone's basically commercializing everything. There's like one part which I thought was like kind of, I don't know how I feel about about the section yet and I'm waiting to see if he like explores this more in the second half before I am fully judgmental of it <laughs> but so he's talking about how like food stores in San Francisco become successful and so then there's the quote if the storefront is successful if it assists with the greater aims of gentrification is written up in national food and or lifestyle publications including ideally the New York Times the local paper can't help you here then you will be permitted to open a larger more boldly designed flagship along one of the city's certified cool thoroughfares and then it goes on to say later finally you will sell your company to Starbucks for 19 million dollars and remember <laughs> you begin with a cart at the outermost corner you begin here in this line so i think it's really interesting how it's like bringing up this concept of gentrification which is obviously like a huge issue in san francisco but it's not really creating like an intersectional perspective of it like it's very 
very white. So I think it's interesting that he brings it up, but doesn't seem to take it to the next logical step or delve into it further. I was thinking about that just with the sourdough starter because it wasn't even hers. Like that mm-hmm. was like the one thing I was like, like our Bo, I forget his brother's name, but were they just fine with her like taking their starter and like using it in this farmer's market? And like obviously, or like I hopefully, you know, it's successful. So I kept thinking like, I hope that those characters like come back and like kind of claim what was theirs or at least like have some enjoyment in what was theirs. That's true. I wonder if they will come back. I feel like Sloan has left a lot to be tied up for the second half of the book. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Booking It. We'll be back next time with a special episode where we'll be talking with Daily Bruin quad reporter Maya Harris about how to be an anti-racist. So you want to talk about race and white fragility. Then we'll finish up Sourdough Week 6 and announce our winter quarter read. As always, you can send any questions or comments to podcast at dailybruin.com or tweet at dailybruinae. 